I got a coalition of the willing. I got 40 nations ready to roll, son. Like who? People like games. That's fucking outstanding. What's up, what's up? And welcome to episode 71 of People Like Games. I'm Solo. And I'm Lilo. And you are, as per usual, tuned into the best damn podcast in the gaming industry. Trademark, trademark, trademark. Pew. Motherfucking pew. Let's go, baby. And before we jump into things, we're going to hit a quick pause. And I'm going to ask Lilo, what have you been playing lately? Mmm. What you playing, baby? Uh, I've been playing some Apex Legends. Uh, not gonna lie, free to play, super fun, and I say free to play with an asterisk at the end of my statement because I did pay for the battle pass. I ain't gonna front. I want to get all those skins. I want to accomplish all those missions. The game is so much fun to me for some reason right now. My brain is addicted, and I'm loving it. What about you, Solo? And the asterisk could be removed once you get your money back for playing. Oh, that's a good so point. That's yeah. really the goal. But that is the goal. I'm trying to play until I get my money back. So yeah. For me. Mario Rabbids has really been it after Kingdom Hearts. Uh, I'm in market because as much as I, I do love it, I haven't gotten to the frustrating part where I've quit yet. Uh, but for like, <laughs> oh, you will. Oh, I will. Mm-hmm. I know it's coming. So I'm, I'm like getting myself prepared. So everyone, shout out to be this. He's like, oh, get get Sekiro. I'm like, okay, let's let's jump away from a potentially frustrating game to an actually frustrating game. But <laughs> you know, anyway. That's right. You know what time it is. We are going to get in a little bit of our own plugs to our medias and socials and whatnot. And on that note, we're going to start at the top. At People Like Games is the handle for Twitter. Hit us up, say what's up, so on and so forth. You could find Lilo over at Lilo PLG. You could find Bezos over at Bezos PLG. You could find me over at People Like Games because I've yet to make my account, which I I, I really plan to get to. Eventually. Hopefully. Potentially. You never know. (laughs) Be optimistic. It's important in this life. Anyway, now... As to this show you are listening to at the moment, it can be found on the usual suspects, more or less, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, basically everywhere podcasts are available. The subreddit, r backslash people like games, and to wrap things up at people like games is also the Instagram because I always forget to plug that and it should be plugged. And don't forget, we do have an event coming in April. Details to come on the 1st. And it shan't be a joke. Now over to Lilo for a little bit of... The talk, baby. Table of contents. What can you expect for this episode? Well, we're actually streamlining this, baby. Uh, We're going to start with our quick scope, the staple of this show. Giving you the rundown of the news in the gaming industry for the past week of the 27th of March, 2019, baby. We actually went through and only chose four articles per person and the angles in which we wanted to cover the articles. I want to say articles, stories, stories segments segments whatever you want to call them but that's what we're doing so hopefully it'll be a little bit tighter for you and then the latter half of the episode where you normally hear solo something or another or lilo's game spotlight plus the final app is all combined into one because we're gonna do our third book review baby what up it's a book review uh of significant zero by walt williams and i was the one who found it and chose it and we finally got it done it's actually fun reading so we want to do this review right we want to give it the time that it's due, and that's why you're only getting two segments this particular episode. So, without further ado, kick it back over solo. And to get us started off, we usually hit you with a little bit of the quick scope sound cue. However, this week we are going to forego it as we are 
starting off with a little bit of a somber note. Um, and, on, and on that, uh, the Take-Two founder, Ryan Brandt, has died. Uh, and, you know, our condolences to his family, uh, his friends. Uh, he is, you know, really a pioneer in the field. He founded the company in 1993 and served uh, as a CEO till 2001 and oversaw, you know, the creation and founding of uh, Rockstar Games, which, you know, if you're not familiar, Take-Two is the publisher of a little game called Grand Theft Auto. And so, you know, his legacy is sort of, uh, you know, important because at the time it was very, you know, very much groundbreaking uh, the way that Grand Theft Auto uh, went against the sort of accepted allowance allowed cultural violence and so sort of the m M&M of gaming and so as the as a cre- as a founder of something like that you know our our, our hats off uh rest in peace and yes, now sir. you know also hit it you know kick it over to Wevo so we can get the show off uh and the <laughs> condolences uh over with yeah i hear you um r.i.p man Appreciate it. Appreciate the legacy you left. And uh, it's hard to follow something like that. And so we have to bring up the energy a little bit. That's why I chose this first article to start off with <laughs> to actually get your spirits back up. <laughs> Solo just fucking crushed your spirits right there. Now I'm like, oh, yeah, follow me. You're just trying not Jesus. to giggle. It's just like in the back thing, like, what do we do from here? And I'm like, exactly. What do we do? What do uh, we do? Well, you. If you're a gamer fan, you probably understand the interwebs very well and understand that memes are a thing. Well, (laughs) there's plenty of fun memes that came out of this weekend because (laughs) there's a couple of highlights following people's outrage and their reaction at ABC broadcasting the Overwatch finals this past weekend. Hilarious. This is a story coming out of uh, esports analyst Rod Breslow. And he uploaded a whole bunch of things onto Twitter, <laughs> people's reactions to the Overwatch League, and it's hilarious. So I'm just going to read off a couple of them. I think these are the highlights. But um, one of these guys, I'm not going to call him out, but he says, you know, the kids are screwed. Normally sports on ABC Sunday, today video game tournament, out of shape kids with tiny balls and the girls who have more testosterone than the boys, Overwatch, calling people out and then a kid underneath him at abc studios this is the end you've got to be kidding me your network has freaking kids playing video games on a sunday for three freaking hours are you kidding and rod is just highlighting it under his caption it has begun now to facebook um (laughs) other people jumped in on the fun making fun of these people Emperor Palpatine is there, and the highlight is good, good, let the hate flow through you, as a good troll does, because we just like to poke the fire. So this is coming out of uh, M. Sespo, baby. He says he truly loves the hate, adding it to the greatest hits, like, this rapping is just shouting words, it isn't music, and skateboarding and BMX is kids' hobby. It's not a sport. My all-time favorite from my gran around 1995. I don't know what the internet is, but I know it's scary. Brings up a funny point in a sarcastic manner. People are afraid of what they don't understand and people dislike what they don't understand. So it's, it's fucking hilarious seeing all these, these reactions. Other fans of esports in general are saying, yes, normies of the world prepare for us. And this goes on and on and a whole slew of them. At the end though, we roll it back to the beginning. The guy who initially started the hate making fun of ABC, saying that the kids had tiny balls. He said, the more I watch this shit, the more I really like it. Sold that it's a skill just like sports. I stand corrected. This is awesome. What do you know? What do you know? When confronted, they change their tune. So as is unsurprising, internet trolls are to be ignored because they are just (laughs) screaming into a void because they perceive it to be without consequence. But what can you do? People be people. And speaking of people being people, companies sometimes be companies. And Sony uh, happens to be uh, pulling an interesting move. And so uh, it announced, Sony Interactive, that it will no longer sell digital versions of full games uh, at physical retail stores. I think that's fair because to a degree... 
having bought a physical version of Cuphead only to see that inside was empty and there was not even a code or a piece of paper in there, but instead was, you know, I got emailed the code when I bought the game. I was like, well, that's a little pointless to have come in here. And so it probably does not do them any value. And so they are fully putting it on uh, the PlayStation Store only in order to be able to purchase digital versions of games. I see the, I sort of see the point. Um, They'll still allow physical retailers to sell cards for add-on content and virtual currency, but I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Sony is playing a very interesting strategy all around as it uh, goes into the next generation. And close the chest. However, you know, it is also interesting because, you know, I think this is also a response because GameStop is trying to basically transform itself into sort of a gaming lounge uh, where people can come and hang out and play. And so maybe, you know, I think it's in their benefit to allow people to keep playing these games because the more people who get their hands on it, the more likely they are to become fans. And if you deny them access Mm -hmm. to play it they'll sort of be spiteful and so you're not going to ever win them over and it's not like it really hurts their profits overall but um again we're gonna see what is the sort of overall consequences of these curious steps from sort of ignoring cloud to then releasing a sort of ios cloud app for playstation and then to now pulling digital codes and then who knows what's next? They're in a curious position, uh, and I guess we'll see it when the when it when it plays out. Hard to judge right? at the moment. <laughs> curious it is, is the best analysis. <laughs> it's like, mm, okay, it's well it's, then, just letting the people know <laughs> you get to make your own opinion, and that's why Solo's analysis. Give me the news. Well then, <laughs> <laughs> pondering. You just see a question mark above his head. While that's happening over there. There's other news from a competitor in the industry happening uh, over here, I guess you'd say. Uh, Nintendo, as we covered before, episode 65, 67, 69, went from a rumor to confer- confirmation, per se, that Nintendo is airing plans to release new uh, new versions of the Nintendo Switch, right? Two new versions of the oh, Nintendo wow. Switch, oh, to be honest. Sound familiar. Yeah, hey. right? We are ahead of the curve on that one. Uh, As a result, it's no surprise, but we want to let you know, Nintendo shares are climbing, baby. They're taking a very interesting approach, and this is just from understanding what the versions are. I can hear everything that you're doing. (laughs) The two versions, if you didn't know, are going to be a dumbed-out Switch where the Joy-Cons are non-removable. It's essentially one large portable console. And then the other version is a more powerful Switch that is tailored for the uh real real nerd the real hardcore gamer very very similar to a different company you might have heard of go by the name of microsoft might have been xbox xbox one came out and they came out with the xbox one s and the xbox one x nintendo is literally doing a carbon copy of the blueprint and doing the same thing and the market is responding favorably so yeah their stocks have been going up it's the highest it's been in the past eight months, and projections are very, very good for sales of this console. People are thinking it's going to be about around 15 to 18 million consoles within the next year whenever they decide to release them. The expectation is actually later this year, or at least revealed later this year, with uh, plans to sell next year to directly compete with uh, Xbox, whatever it's called, Phoenix, Scarlet, next xbox i mean it was called scarlet, Speaking of scarlet um, and phoenix that new xbox PS5. that new x-men was trash <laughs> but on, it was trash back to the story back to the story i mean that, that's kind of which it. is just... over and now back... <laughs> <laughs> now on to the next story well shit well speaking of awkward transitions um you know what gaming reminds me of gambling <laughs> or at least it does in Valve's case. And, yeah, no, no, solid, solid transition. I like thank it. you, thank you. It, it, I, I wrote it down. I practiced it almost. Mm-hmm. But regardless, Valve has introduced a quote-unquote soft currency gambling to its Dota Plus sub- subscription, which for all intents and purposes probably should have been Lilo doing this story as he's more of a MOBA fan. But 
given huge mob fan we talk huge a business i had to mm-hmm. slide through and sort of borrow this article and so uh or this story um and you know in the case or in this case um adding to its dota plus service is the ability to bet in app currency on the outcome of dota pro circuit event matches and so the in-game currency called shards which can be earned by completing quests, earning hero XP, uh, and now predicting the winner of matches. And so you can gamble up to 100 shards on the match, uh, the DPC matches, uh, and the odds are supplied by Valve. This is not a form of gambling because technically you can't buy the shards, but you do pay for the service, which is $3.99 a month. But those are two separate features, so I'm not going to say that that's interrelated. However, I will say, while this is not gambling right now, this is very much the model for which esports plans to create a gambling, basically, industry around it. Because, like we they said, start somewhere, you know, baby. We, we covered this a long time ago when uh, the Supreme Court ruled that gambling would be allowed and we went into a long discussion on it and I talked about how that would change esports and now this is sort of an example of it and so if you're if you're a very active player what's what's a better way to pull you know convert the view the the player into the viewer that's one of esports goals well why don't you take this in-game currency why don't you bet it on the real matches well i bet you think you know who's better you know what i mean so it's sort of its own mm-hmm. interesting addition to the game but when it becomes legal which it will become legal uh it For will sure. be basically why so many people are obsessively watching fantasy football or, or watching football all fantasy. It's all for fantasy. Mm-hmm. So why are they going to obsessively watch esports? All for money. And so once that gambling network is tied to esports the same way it is to the NFL, to the NBA, and all these other sports, and you have large-scale industries of people just talking about betting and the odds and all these other right. shits like horse racing, right, right, right. that's coming to esports. And this is a to use their language, soft version of it. And, you know, it, it's sort of ingenious, but it's going to in, end up being uh, the model, which I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call that from here. It is the model, for sure. Baby but steps. that's about all I got. They can't just let you gamble real money yet. Yet. But this is how you get there. This is how you get there, absolutely, and it's becoming widely accepted. Esports prime, is growing. We prime your audience. So you're, be- you're ready. You're ready. You've been primed, especially if you watch sports in general. So, yeah, you know. You know it's been coming, and that's funny. Uh, you know what else is coming? In the... Whoa! Phone All calls right. are coming. I know, right? God damn. What's happening? Uh-oh, we were no, popular. Actually, we're getting, we're getting them rings. Right you know what else is going to be popular? the new rumors we got coming out of sony i know we're bringing it back we uh we brought you down with what sony was doing and making some questionable moves but uh this will hopefully assuage any fears you might have just kidding it's more questionable moves but it's about their next generation baby it's their next generation and (sighs) ps5 apparently might have some features and these are all coming out of the patents they filed over two years ago and if you want to know the one defining feature that it's expected to have well look no further than virtual reality baby that's what they're going for i'm pretty sure that's the angle at least that's what's coming out of this patent and so this story covers patent like i said filed two years ago depicts a console attachment that connects to a headset to a console and then uh, sorry to a a tv and then there's also a tv mounted camera that will use the same service that the console is then supplying to the headset so it's this whole contraption very much like an oculus very much like how psvr works right now and the 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 tv mount is or rather this tv attachment per se is streaming data apparently at a frequency of 60 gigahertz these are millimeter waves and they've been successfully tested to deliver extremely fast speeds so why is this significant and important well 
the higher the frequency, the more data it can potentially carry, but the further the the less far it goes. So like longer frequency waves or lower frequency waves can travel through shit. But Shout higher frequency waves Shannon. get stuck. <laughs> Shout out to what? Claude Shannon. Oh. Don't know who that is. If you don't know, this, look him up. This is awkward. Google's your oh friend, bruh. <laughs> I'm in front of Google, but I'm also in front of the story, baby. Uh, so these millimeter waves carry a shit ton of data. So long story short, they've actually been tested by the IEEE. It's the Institute of Electrical Engineers, uh, Electrical and Electronics Engineers. I actually know the standard. I follow it very much, but they test their frequency and they can tra- uh, transfer up to seven gigabits of data per second within a one to 10 meter radius, which is actually fucking insane. If you think about what I just said, seven gigabits of data per second over Wi-Fi, essentially wireless. So PlayStation may utilize this frequency wave to transfer wireless data to your headset. Therefore, you can actually use VR without wires. Currently, you have to be connected to everything. And it's kind of awkward because you can feel them. But that is the next step. I think that's the direction that PlayStation is trying to go to. And you should be on the lookout because we are ahead of the curve. We are ahead of the curve. I'm, I'm, liking, I'm liking this aspect. I think it's definitely no one else is doing it, right? Xbox kind of shit the bed on that one, especially with the Kinect. So if PlayStation can corner this market, we can see new VR games coming through. And they could be high-powered and ready to fucking go. You got anything? You excited about this? Would you ever get it? Uh, no, because I think VR is not going to be very useful for a couple of years. Uh, but I think at um, you know over time it will eventually become more functional. I think Oculus is still the real big leader, and so if you're going to get it, you it might is. as well get Oculus. It is, but, but it's an all-in-one contraption, and that's what's interesting is that. You can't house a lot of games. This is rem- removing the wires, but you're still bound by the portability of the, <laughs> the actual the actual console itself. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Because if that iOS app is any example, they're they're in the in the mode of trying to create a, a, a wireless base as well. So the console will be it. Um, but. You know, some people just like to make things difficult for others. So who's to say that, you know, Sony won't do it because there's simpler methods. But, you know, I don't know. Some people just use difficult methods for the sake of being difficult. But you never know. (laughs) You never know. Anywho, now on to our next story, which is probably obvious to everyone who is even in gaming or not in gaming. Apple announced the Apple Arcade, which is a gaming subscription service, but it is a little different and it's not aiming to be the Netflix of games. It's sort of riding its own wave. It is sort of focused on mobile games and sort of, I guess, porting or reformatting mobile games to be able to fit multiple screens. I I know they partnered with a bunch of studio to create iPhone dedicated game, but that's no different than just creating a mobile game at the moment. So it's like, <laughs> it's like, oh, we're making a mobile it's game. Okay, shit. we partner with the iOS to make a mobile game for the Apple Arcade. You know what the difference is? Language. <laughs> but uh, one company I did not see, Nintendo. So to be honest, Apple Arcade is going to be very limited uh, event anyway. And I'm sure Nintendo hasn't released a whole bunch of apps on the app store because they don't want to give up 30% of their revenue and they're waiting for diversity in the marketplace, but we'll see. Uh, and I'm glad to, to see a company not jump into another uh, Netflix of game sort of deal. It's curious. It sort of further exemplifies Apple's shift in the past couple of years and its business model with the leveling off of phone sales to a more services-oriented company. So, you know, you have Apple Music, then they just announced Google News, uh, you know, Apple News Plus, which, fuck. And then they have their, you know. cards. So they're trying to get into every single sort of market. They're trying to do their television. So now they're in gaming and this, that, the other. It 
makes sense. I'm, I don't know how big it'll actually be because I don't see the benefit you would get from paying monthly to have access to mobile games on your TV when you will likely have to pay for access to like something like Google Stadia. And so if you put one yep. against the other, which would you really rather play? Do you want AAA you know? titles? And or this is, it, it wasn't a surprise that they got in because a couple of months ago we covered a story about the creator of that game, Journey, on PlayStation, who was creating a mobile game for the iOS, but the game, I think he did it for a game spotlight, but the game wasn't uh, meant for any uh, any other platform. It was intended to be played on a television. And so it was like, oh, you could play this through the you know Apple TV or whatever the case is. And so, okay. you know, they set you up with the physical piece you needed, and now they launch the services you need to consume them. That's the model now. And so that's, it's not going to really do wonderful. Um, they're they're going to have to pivot away. And um, I'll get into a, another company that had to pivot away. Right. to finish things up but well between that and before we get to the end we're going to cover this last article that i am this article god damn it this story you get it okay sorry everybody it's a story that i'm excited about if you don't know me you'll learn now that i am a huge effing nerd and lord of the rings is my favorite movie trilogy of all times it's, it's all time not times but it is it has the greatest soundtrack it's just a wonderful movie i read the books like like all the books are just great except i was too young to really understand them and the movies just wonderful anyway i found this as i was combing through to figuring out what my four stories were going to be and this one literally was right before the show so i got overjoyed i learned that a german video game developer called datalik entertainment you might know it is unveiling its upcoming title, which relates to Lord of the Rings, and it's called Lord of the Rings Gollum. It's an action-adventure game that's going to follow the J.R.R. Tolkien character after he acquired the One Ring before the events of the Lord of the Rings. If you didn't know and you don't know the lore like I do, he got the ring and held the ring for close to apparently like 500 years, or at least that's what the movie says. I understand that the book might be different, but he held the ring for a shit ton of time before he lost it to Bilbo. Bilbo had the ring for about 60 to 70 years before we started the uh, adventures of the Lord of the Rings itself. That's the, uh, the story. Anyway, Data Lake Entertainment is partnering with Middle Earth Enterprises to develop and publish the game. So fucking excited. I just wanted everyone to know this. This is like a mini game highlight, not spotlight, but a highlight. And just looking forward to this. If you don't know who Data Lake Entertainment is, they have like 45 plus titles out in the world right now. All of them pretty much extra adventure games. And looking at the art style of the games and the gameplay, you'll understand what to expect from this. And I think it's going to be maybe a 2D side scroller, that kind of stuff. And uh, it's it's legit. It's really legit. I'm excited. Um, and then to sort of wrap things up, because we do want to give you a little bit of a tight episode, uh, I'll just get into quickly um, <clears throat> a little bit of a thread that was given by a guy named Avi, whose handle is at esports guy on Twitter, uh, about <clears throat> the pivoting of Discord. I'm going to keep it quick because Lilo ran us over time. And as a timekeeper, he <coughs> did not keep what? the time. So uh, Mr. Nerd uh, skipped the math part of being a nerd. Apparently. Ooh. Boom. Get worked. Anywho, so just to make He's it quick, if you did not notice on the slide, Discord very quietly got rid of the store tab on uh, the homepage and they switch it over to Nitro. So basically with the launch of the Epic Game Store, they've had to shift their uh, monet- or their business model to be able to uh, compete or to be able to monetize in a different way because there's no way they're going to be able to compete with Epic Games because of the, the perks that are given uh, with uh, the the, the dev perks that are received basically given the the large use of the Unreal Engine in, in programming and game development as a whole. And so uh, they basically moved to a subscription model and have tied games in uh, to be playable in that subscription model. But I'm going to get into that in a little bit more of a something or another next week uh, because 
for this week. I did not have time because Lilo. Boom, 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 boom. Oh, but really, you super interesting you topic. There. I, had, I had nothing to say. Uh, I just needed to <laughs> make fun of him. Um, and Dude, we're right on time. I don't even know what you're worried about. He's great. And just for a little Lord of the Rings for you. You know, you know, you know. And that is all we have for the quick scope. And so now we're going to slide over into a little bit of the PLG book review. Number Trey. Yes, we don't have a sound cue just yet, so pause it is. There we go. It's a Trey book review. Oh, let's go, baby. It's Significant Zero by Walt Williams. Heroes, villains, and the fight for art and soul in video games. Chosen by Mr. Lilo himself. First, the first choice so far. And so... Uh, if you have not followed our first two, the first was Blood, Sweat, and Pixels by uh, Jason Schreier. And then the second book was uh, Console, Wars. Console Wars by Blake Harris. And uh, now, we're, now we're here at Significant Zero. And so we have broken up our review into like a little six quick headings. And so uh, first we'll, we're going to jump into just a little quick description of what the book is then we'll get into our individual you know, sort of overall reviews then we'll get into our favorite parts lessons learned standout pieces and then just some things we missed uh it won't be long uh and it'll be Should interesting be uh just uh, like this book so you know as we as we jump in or before we jump in rather uh i want to start this off by asking lilo what made you choose this book for the book review? What stood out? What was it that was like, all right, I want to read this? Uh, Did you judge it honest, by its cover? It was the artwork. The artwork was amazing. Jerk. It was just so cool. What a it was jerk. bright. It was neon. Nah, but if I'm being more more honest, and if we dive deeper into the books that we've covered thus far, obviously all of them touch on the gaming industry. Number one was Blood, Sweat, and Pixels by Jason Schreier. Jason Schreier is very much, he's a news editor, right? He's a journalist at heart. He covered a wide range of books, and he has insight into that world, but he didn't, at least to my knowledge, he didn't make anything. Like, he, he got the stories from the people, first source, that's great, good for him, that's wonderful but he wasn't a developer per se. Uh, Second book, Blake Harris by Console Wars. He revealed sort of the development cycle of a company and sort of the rise and fall of a brand and how, you know, a business went about performing and doing what it needed to do. This third book is from someone who's a writer in the industry, someone who writes literal stories for the gaming industry. And I wanted that touch. Someone who has been on the inside, who's done the grind, who's done the development per se, the publishing, understands that whole process. And honestly, Walt Williams is a phenomenal writer. He, he really is. He writes with a passion. Well, hold on. <laughs> we're gonna pause, we're gonna pause and say, we will jump all the way to like the end of the book review when the question was, what made you choose it? And then we were going to get into hey, the general- Hey, I'm, I'm letting you know. We had- <laughs> that, <three> that, that- <laughs> Three I'm gonna pause you. Gonna, the gaming he, what three made you choose it? it? How did you know he was a good writer if you did not, in choosing the book? Ah, you just read the prologue. The prologue lets you know that he was a writer in the gaming industry. So I was like, okay, done. As in, he wrote game stories. Not that he was a journalist, that he wrote game stories. And I was like, okay, this is right a different that. lens. Game stories. Yeah. Pretty much. I like that. Yeah. There we go. Okay, what? And so now, now, now we're gonna jump into the. Uh, now we're gonna jump into the general description, which is basically as Lua was just saying, the the it's like it's, the, it's the rise of a writer uh, in the industry who, uh, funny enough, in the beginning of the book, very much claims to have no interest and to not like video games whatsoever. And I found it a little hilarious that someone who wasn't a big fan of video games thinks they could find a career in video games. But parallels, parallels. What can you do? What can you do? Because success is random. Uh, and 
you know, it's just about his trials, tribulations. He's introduced as a Take-Two employee, and he ends up working on a couple of different games with the sort of major game with his name attached to it being Spec Ops, the military shooter, Mm -hmm. as well as a little popularly or popular folklore game, Star Wars 1313, that had been canceled. Uh, And that is... uh, the general description now i'm gonna kick it over to lilo first general review bike is good are we giving like uh are we giving a rating or are we doing that at the end yeah we'll, we'll do ratings at the end but we'll we'll, we'll okay. say like what's a good line or two uh that would uh you you would recommend it and uh, or, or or that you would review it as see that's just a weird right, phrase i'll go, I'll go I will first say I'll, my pitch yeah, what's, what would be the pitch for the book? So for my, me, my pitch for the book is if you want to understand how much love, sweat, effort, and aggravation go into making games, just one part of games too, read this book. That's that's pretty much it. I think it's a wonderful book, a lot of insight. Um, yeah, I mean, nothing more to be said. I enjoy reading, so this wasn't hard to pick up in, in that sense. I, but to someone I, else... It's like, yeah. I, I thought it was it. pretty beautifully written, but simultaneously, I, I thought it didn't really get into the beat, the meat of its um, point until sort of the back end. Yeah. And yeah. overall, like, I, I'd recommend it just because the writing throughout is really enjoyable. It's, he's a sharp guy, and he's witty, and he's funny. Mm-hmm. And so that, that type of humor always carries over well, and sort of like the good, the best type of... Uh, writer which is you basically hear the person talking as you read their writing and so that's writing in their voice and so he's very good at that and so I could see why he's a writer of stories and dialogue etc because it fits very much into his purview and so uh, I enjoyed it very much so then uh, favorite parts would be our next and so you go start we'll go one for one mine's is going to be easy Uh, mine's is chapter six and that is a little story about how our protagonist ends up meeting a guy named Ken. And that guy named Ken is Ken Levine of Bioshock Creation. And so... Oh, shit. Don't talk uh, to him. Exactly. Don't talk to him. <laughs> Don't talk to him. And so basically it, it was pretty... That, that, that pretty much confirmed what I thought Ken Levine would be like and what he what it sort of saw to read it in a book sort of at random was sort of funny. Uh, mm-hmm. And in addition, it, it became, it's an important linchpin of the book because, you know, as, as we'll talk about, one of the f- focuses of his uh, writing towards the end is of player agency in a game and how the player is always supposed to have, or always made to feel that they were right in the end, regardless yeah, of how right bad now. their decisions are. And in first-person shooters, you're murdering people, but the game is calling you a hero, et cetera, that sort of divide. And it was Bioshock that was the first to sort of break that mold. And, you know, it by nature of allowing you to either harvest or uh, save the the, gir- the little girls that came along with the big daddies. And so... Yep. That's why it's one of the best games of all time. That's why it's up there in Solo's numero uno position, <laughs> the games. And I don't know. So that was just a cool story, just to see its creation process and how to see a little historical. It's like a, a, a historical chapter to me, just yeah. because I love the game yeah, so much. So it was a personal reason that I enjoyed it so much. What was your favorite part? One of your favorite parts. Uh, I mean, there is a whole bunch. Uh, he, like you touched on, he's a very witty writer. I think he's poignant and he understands, <laughs> he gets to the, the point very quickly. And it's very cool to see all the lessons he's learned. But I think as a whole, one of the big things I pulled away in this, this sort of section related to me is when he was actually, it was with Bioshock and he was playing the demo for two, two days in a row, two days straight. And playing this demo over and over and over and over at a Gamescom. I can't even remember where it was. But he was just talking about how 
any job you love becomes eventually just a job, especially if you're subject to the grind and the daily monotony. But then one day a spark can come along and remind you just why you got into it. And so in this particular instance, a kid came over and what they do with the demos is he would literally talk to people for 10 minutes, play the demo while he's talking. There'd be like 10 people behind him watching him play. And then the next group would come in and he does the same thing over and over. He saw that the same kid came into the booth like several times, three to four to five times, just checking out the demo over and over and over of Bioshock. And then he got to talk to the kid and realized how just how much he loved the game and how excited he was. And I thought that was fucking awesome. And just a story you can take out of this. It's anyone who's ever worked at any position that they thought they liked in the beginning, you could see where it's coming from. And it just it's it relates to so many different parts of your life. There's gonna be the grind, there's gonna be monotony, the minutiae of the daily work, but then you get reminded in the smallest of ways of just how powerful what you're doing is and how fun it can be and all that stuff. That was probably my favorite, um, what is it? Analogy or metaphor to life kind of that I picked out of the book, but there it's one of many cause he just touched on a whole bunch of topics. So I, I would agree. I think, you know, I, as it came towards the end, I thought, you know, if we're going on some of those better parts, I thought when he was talking about his goal in making spec ops, which was to not allow the player to feel like every decision they made was was, what was moral and the sort of battles he fought in that process and, or even earlier in his career, but that comes from a lesson. And so, you know, early on in the book, he ends up trying to take over a project for a family guy game and try to write it while it was out of his own, while it was out of a bit out of his depth. Uh, they took it over and sort of rewrote it for him. And now later on, you know, it's funny about how time works because in that moment, one could think, wow, I'm never going to get this opportunity again. I can't believe that's how it worked out. And then down the line, he has the opportunity to, you know, to write the the game that he wanted in the way he wanted. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and it took, as you were saying, you know, time and patience and and the grind is not something you skip. And it's, you know... It's very much very interesting because it's it's always curious, especially now as gaming is getting popular for people to be like, oh, how did you get your job in gaming? Oh, I really want to work in the industry, whatever the case is, not realizing the sort of time and effort it takes to be in those positions and sort of seeing it with him, uh, you know, over time, ups and downs. It's always funny. The perspective is funny because you could see it from the outside for someone else, ups and downs. But when you're going through it yourself, it's like, oh, I'm down. It'll never go back up. So yeah. that's why it's important to yeah. you know to see and as an entrance. And so um, now, uh, any any other ones that uh, through, so we sort of melt, melded favorite parts and standout aspects together. And so we're gonna skip favorite that parts, standout aspects, even lessons learned. They're kind of all together. Yeah, it's There's all it's all the same thing, gleaned. different words. It but is. It is. So let's just one, keep going. I, I got. I got one more. Uh, I, his love of swag. That was my other favorite part. I laughed swag. my ass off. He was yeah. just like, "There's something about getting a free T-shirt. Like you can never pass it up. It's a fucking free T-shirt. Like you go on and PLG. We make it merchandise, baby. Check yeah, out that swag.com, baby. Yeah. Right. You want just, I should out. be plugging that as well. See, uh, that's what I'm saying. That's why yeah. I laughed. I literally laughed when I read it. I was like, "Yo, he's right." <laughs> You want free swag, no matter where you go. You're gonna pick up a free T-shirt. Like I don't need it, but fuck it, I'll take it. Free shit costs money, though. <laughs> and yeah, uh, I guess I guess one of my criticisms then in the book will come at the point when he mentions crunch, and my criticism so of it was uh, when he was talking about crunch, he was giving a schedule of you know being in the trenches, writing everything, and you know trying to get everything you know out and together and how he loved it and how he lived for it and he loved going into his bunker and throwing his life away and you know doing all these things and at no point do i know he's glorifying any of it and part of it is very much too too exaggerated probably uh for for narrative purpose however i think it also is very reflective of the difference to me at least of uh, 
crunch as it is for writers and as it is for developers because as someone who has written before there it's a very different beast to be like i need to come up with the right words that's that's a very subjective battle whereas when you're coding there is a very objective way that it has to be done correctly for it to work and you know to figure out that solution is not oh i found the right words to work for me which could be the case for writing or for this project it is did i find the right solution in fucking general and those are two very difficult tasks so like you know a bad line of dialogue is very different than a bad line of code and so yeah one doesn't work at all so and and, and if i gotta explain that difference so that's why i feel like crunch is different because there's different stakes at hand True. You're, you're so right like that's a good point it's a very good point i think different stakes for a writer than it is for a developer and like not the developer the coders the actual so i'm not i'm not saying artists. anything of that but i'm just like it was funny because only a writer would be like, oh i love this this self-flagellation shit whereas i'm like coders are probably like crying themselves to sleep because it's like oh my god if this doesn't work the game doesn't work and everyone's fucked <laughs> right we delay it again it comes exactly. out it, which is really the case in the stakes for them yeah exactly but, I gotcha. you know then closing out anything else with anything that comes to mind uh, as, talking as about lessons learned? Uh, what, what are we talking here are we do we just skip the rest of the sections or are we moving on or is it all melded together because if it is i got many many things all right it's all melded together that's what solo's giving me a thumbs up for because he's liking his cookie. cookies um Couple lessons. I brought them with me this time instead of running out for them. <laughs> the lessons that um, I gleaned for myself personally is that the details matter. He very much talks about writing. You should care about everything. I think in gaming in general, everyone cares about the details. Every time, everywhere. Doesn't mean that the details that you care about will be respected, but you can't let it dishearten you and you still have to grind on. You don't compromise your own personal integrity, even though other people's don't choose your option at the end of the day you still need to put as much effort as you possibly can into anything you do even if someone else won't because that's how you make the best game possible it's it's all about that extra effort um he also highly touted fake it until you make it at least in his early years in his career saying that i had no idea what i was doing but you have to project that confidence and say that you could do it that was fucking hilarious um very good point that i think be protected by someone in senior management True, he was. He was. But uh, one of the biggest things that I, I did like is that when you're creating a game or when you're creating any content to be consumed by an audience, if you see yourself as the player, you're designing to your audience because you're creating something that you think everyone would want. And he says that the job is to deliver what people never imagined. That's your job. You forget that your job is not to give the people what they want. It's to show them what they have never known before. And I thought that was very powerful and very cool. And that he also dives a little bit deeper into that where it is your moral right, moral responsibility rather, to make sure that like, it's not like you're giving the moral choice to the player. You are designing the morality of the game itself and thinking otherwise is insane. So that was pretty cool. And then last thing that I liked he understands Walt Williams writes and talks about his life and you'd think that he's like kind of a depressed, sadistic, masochistic man who's like, I love the pain, I love the grind, my life sucks. But I think he goes into a good point. He's like, understand that anything you build comes at a cost. You either agree to the cost and you move on with your life and accept it or you give up on building whatever it is you want to build. It's just that simple. There's no two ways around it. If you ever want to build something great, you're going to sacrifice for it. And sacrificing for it means other things are affected, like your relationships and whatnot. And I think it's a theme repeated in any successful story you've heard from anyone around the world. No one ever made it to the top and didn't sacrifice anything. It depends on your point of view, of course, but I, I think it was cool that he highlighted that. And so that was that was pretty cool. Uh, and I, have a I guess things, I'm, gonna, yeah. I'm just going to touch on, you know, he was also very eloquent about... Um, you know, early on in the book, the, the the relationships between developers and studios. He basically gave a very beautifully descriptive uh, narrative, would be, for lack of a better word, of how a game is made from its initial conception stages 
over to its basically production and and release yeah, stages. Yeah, alpha, alpha, bravo, gold, all that. Yeah. All, all through all through the lens of a writer, but you know, seeing the whole process, even in of itself, it's it's really he interesting. It down too. And you dumped know, it down. We, someone should cover some content like that. And so, here's hoping <laughs> someone announces something of that nature. Slater for this summer. Brought to you by the... And I guess I'm going to say uh, one of my favorite favorite parts uh, and a part that I even, uh, you know, marked was towards the end when he talked about, um, you know, having done all this writing, etc., have having had these successes, he, he... Writing didn't get easier... His confidence didn't go up. Nothing happened. And that's because the success didn't make him happy because what he was looking for wasn't success. He was looking for a new him. And so I thought that was very interesting. And I think that is a very important lesson for a lot of people as well, especially as gaming becomes bigger. Uh, And that's that, you know, it's very glamorous looking to to a lot of the average viewers however there is a lot to you know a lot of dark side to a lot of this stuff as well and you know a lot of the times you know if you have personal you know issues you know success and money they it won't erase it it won't change it it will you know sometimes putting yourself in those positions will will magnify it and so you know in his situation, you know, he talks about having to step away and eventually coming back in. But that's also an important lesson for the for as you pursue, you know, what you love or dream or, you know, pursue and have passion for to to take care of yourself, because, you know, your your body is going to burn out long after your mind. You know, one will just catch up to the other. And then when both go, you'll be like, oh, shit, I'm burned out. And so, you know. Even in the pursuit of things, always be sure to be taking care of yourself. And, you know, that's something, you know, he goes back, he finds that balance again. And that's what allows him to move forward and write something like this book and and move forward and do work again. You know, so it's not all self-deprecating, you know, sort of uh, clever wittiness. It it also has a lot of great life lessons in it as well. So for sure. Out of five, I'm going to go four and a half or four. Dude, four four is sh- accurate. I'm going to go 4.55. Just 4.55. because I wanted to outbid you because you got this. Okay, well, I'm going, going 4.69. Hey. <laughs> I'm going 4.6969. <laughs> Wait, 6969, you say? <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> we are. Bazinga, if you know that movie, at people like games is a handle, hit us up. And we'll send you something. A t-shirt. For real though. And that's all we got. We're probably run later than we wanted. And yeah, unlike last week, I'm not going to cut us out and leave early. But instead, I'll say We will. Take it so. <laughs> yes! my two seconds i appreciate you listening and tuning in if you're interested in hearing one man's opinion of the gaming industry who's been in it who's very insightful and is eloquent all at the same time uh definitely check out significant zero (sighs) of course we have so many more things for you in the future so appreciate you listening to this episode stay tuned next week we'll be coming at you with some more great content talk to you later peace